Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper, and we have a new World Series champion. Uh, and uh, if you would have tried to describe to someone how that year went, and only give them like the next step, just like here's this is, then this is what happened, then ask them how do you think that would go, and just keep walking it through. Uh, this is why they play the games, folks. Uh, it's still, right. it's uh, absolutely amazing uh, year how everything went, uh, and uh, we'll uh, uh, we'll see uh, within it. But congratulations to the Atlanta Braves for uh, uh, winning the World Series, uh, and that should be a uh, executive of the year uh, lock uh, for how that all went uh, as well. So we'll take a look, uh, do a World Series uh, uh, wrap up. We'll take a look at uh, some of the initial. Off-season things taking place. We've had qualifying offers uh, as of uh, today. We made the deadline for that. Options picked up or declined. Uh, we have new managers. We have a, a Hall of Fame retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we already have uh, an acquisition taking place and already a fire sale the starting. So started. It's, it's going to start uh, heating up here. And uh, we'll talk about all that uh, uh, in our podcast today. Uh, heads up for next week. Uh, we will be giving you the full off-season preview. We will take a look at uh, free agents, uh, best fits, maybe give our, our top 10 predictions of free agent signings, contract numbers, teams. Uh, we'll give you some, uh, we'll look into our crystal ball and see how well uh, uh, that one goes. Uh, and uh, we'll let uh, Corey put on the uh, Milwaukee Brewers general manager hat. If he was in charge of this off-season, what would he do? Uh, so we'll give you some ideas on that uh, as well. Uh, before we dive into uh, all these things, I would be remiss if I didn't first mention that the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. It is the off-season uh, as well for uh, River Creek Popcorn, but uh, there is always a chance for a little bit of uh, winter baseball, as there is in the Arizona Fall League or winter leagues of things taking place. Baseball is never fully gone. You just have to know how to find it. So That's how true. can they find River Creek Popcorn? That's a That's an excellent preview there you did great so it's it's been a few weeks I got sick so that's why we we've missed a couple weeks here I did not get COVID we thought so I got strep throat instead which wasn't any better kind of hard to podcast with strep throat but great consolation prize (laughs) yeah right uh but yes you're correct the popcorn wagon as it is is shut down for the season we did that it was a great year everything got put away nothing got broke but as happens every year when we shut down in October, people start asking about Christmas already then. And so we take about a month off and then we do a two day run uh, out of our house. I don't wheel the whole wagon out, but we just get the popper out and run it out of our house in our kitchen. Uh, watch Facebook, River Creek Popcorn, go to Facebook, follow us on Facebook. If you're interested, there is, we usually sell and we will sell regular popcorn, the buttered stuff and they'll sell caramel and kettle and cheese, but only the large sizes and you have to pre-order it. So if it'll be, I think we're looking at December 3rd and 4th, which is a Friday and a Saturday and you have to pre-order it because I'm not making too much of it and having to eat it myself. So yes, pre-order it, but yes, there will be a day and uh, 
my dad and my uncle will probably run Friday. And if you want to see me, you got to come on Saturday because I have to work on Fridays. <laughs> so that's, that's the plan. Uh, usually they do pretty good weather permitting. If the weather is bad, people already ask usually like, what happens if the weather's bad? We'll probably kick it back a week, but not cross your fingers. We've never had problems with that yet. <laughs> So it's a way to kick off the full uh, holiday season because the week before is when we have uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and all that good stuff going. So the first week uh, afterwards, uh, yes, there's your Cyber Monday sales, but there will also be uh, a Popcorn Palooza uh, taking place uh, this You're winter. So check it there, check dude. it out uh, as we uh, get ready for that. Again, watch on, on Facebook for the, the updates there and for also making your uh, – uh, your picks and then getting that in ahead of time so mm-hmm. you can have your holiday popcorn. That's right. Yeah, you're in a roll with the marketing over there. Popcorn yeah, Palooza. Popcorn your right your tri- your segues around early on here. We're we're off to we're, a good work. Considering it's been three weeks since we've been doing this, you been saving it up. That's and, right. You uh, these- again, have have to at least still give my World Series level approach as we talk about uh, the the concluding series of the capping off uh, the season of of baseball and uh, so. Atlanta Braves with, did it. Yeah. And they did it. You know, we I picked both of us picked against the Braves in round one, right? You, you didn't even pick the Braves to go back, folks. Dan did not pick the Braves to make the playoffs. Ooh, this is the the full uh eating crow uh from the uh the bold predictions at the very beginning of the year and season predictions. And if the season would have ended <laughs> if it was an eighty one game, if it was a sixty game season again, you'd have been spot on, bud. Because it was exactly <laughs> the way I said it would be. Uh, not for anything in particular, just a bunch of random things happening. That's even how I described it. Not that mm-hmm. there's a bad a t- a team, bad talent. It was nothing that way. It was just the, the weird year of just things going wrong after so many things going right. Uh, and uh, for the most part, that's how that season went. The random, uh, again, if you would have asked in the first uh what, six weeks of the year, give or take? Uh, what do you thought of Atlanta's uh, playoff hopes uh, from your MVP-level uh, player going down uh, for the uh, for the year? Uh, Off-the-field issues that take uh, your other big acquisition from the offseason completely out of the offense, and offense was what you needed uh, within that, well, I suppose, your that's what led you last year. You had the offense to run it, and you still needed the pitching to come up. Uh, and for all sorts of different reasons, an offense would work, then the pitching would go, then pitching would be fine, and the offense wouldn't, or the bullpen would give up something. It was always something until it wasn't. Until and, and they finally righted the ship at the end. All they needed to do was get in, mm-hmm. and then it's about getting hot, and, and they did. They ran the table. Their pitching in the playoffs was so much better than I gave. I, I we sat Absolutely. here and I said, the Brewers are going to all pitch him that first game, that first series, and they're going to lose. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Max Freed looks, looked incredible the entire postseason, all the way through the world series, two games, shutting down the Houston Astros offense, uh, Charlie Morton pitching like an amazing 37 year old. And then they didn't get him in the world series. He pitched, Four innings, got hit in the leg, pitched another t- twenty pitches, and then came on out a with a broken leg. leg. Are you kidding he me? Pitches another twenty. Like, he still adds to his legendary postseason status. Yeah. Uh, yes, he wasn't able to give you the innings within or go much within it, but what he did give you was uh, it's like, uh, was amazing. It's Kurt Schilling, right? It's yep, it's the bloody 100%. ankle. It's it's he gets hit in the first game, he breaks his leg, and he pitches. He strikes two more guys out after that, like. And then he got hurt, and they're like, oh, what's going on here? Because you forgot that he got hit. He'd, he'd been pitching so well. You're like, oh, what happened? Like, did he get hurt? He must have landed weird. And then you hear later on that, oh, he's broke his leg. He's out, you know, the rest of the series, and 
all off. He's got to have surgery. I think he already he had on, surgery. He was on crutches yeah. uh, in the uh, the celebration afterwards. But they didn't need him, right? Freed stepped up. Ian Anderson stepped up. And their bullpen was incredible, like spectacular throughout the playoffs. Tyler Matzik, who then almost got arrested at their parade because uh, he was mistaken for a fan and they almost arrested him. But Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson and Will Smith and all these bullpen arms, they just stepped up and that Houston Astros offense was stymied most of the series and it got to game six and it was done. And like you mentioned, you know, they didn't have Ronald Acuna. They didn't have Marcelo Zuna. Freddie Freeman looked great, but for the first six months of the year, he didn't like or six weeks. I should say not six months. That's a long season, but uh, he didn't, but it was all those you mentioned in the preview, like give him the executive of the year already. Cause we sat here and I said like, it's a bunch of little acquisitions, but they all worked, right? Jorge Soler just got done winning them the World Series MVP award. And Duvall hit for him, and they get him another year. And Jack Peterson... Jocktober! Yeah, he opted out now. He's going to be gone, but hey, what more could they have asked for, right? They went out and... They did what the Padres tried to do of acquiring a full, like, gamut, a mm-hmm. full section, except they had better luck than the Padres. He went out and got an entire outfield... And all of them, to a player, all of them played amazing baseball when they needed to. It was a home run on every on every pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soler, obviously, by, by getting the, the uh, World Series MVP award. Uh, Duvall, uh, leading RBIs uh, uh, throughout the year. He was a, a key player that way. October for a reason, for getting hot in the postseason, having those key moments. Eddie Rosario, we didn't even mention him yet. Yeah. Eddie Rosario is another one they acquired there. And he was batting leadoff, and he had a at least two doubles in the one game, and he looked great. Solaire, remember, he didn't even play against the Dodgers because he had tested positive for COVID. So, like, That's right. when you can find a way to, you know, they they added high-quality players, but then they also added depth in the process, and it worked out for them. Now, some of these guys are going to leave, but like you mentioned, they're going to get Ronald Acuna back. It sounds like he might not be ready right away in April, maybe more like May, but, you know. Elby's still a lot of these guys are still really young. Austin Riley and Austin, and Ozzy Elby finally stepped up. That's one of the things to think of with you with young players. Uh, you're gonna have to be patient. It isn't always a uh, clear, simple trajectory to stardom. Hmm. Uh, first couple of seasons, like uh, the shine wears off. People are questioning whether or not he even is uh, the full time starter. Should they be going and getting someone else? And then you look at what he does this year. Austin Riley hit 303 this year yep. with 33 home runs. Like, if you have told me he hit 33 home runs, I said, yep, that's certainly possible. What What's going to be like a 240 average? Because I saw the strikeout rates, and when you get, like, he could have he could have went the way of Keston Hero, right? Like, yep. he could have struck out at that high of a rate 36% when he first came up in 2019. That is unpalatable. That's really bad. Now, his drops down to 25% this year, and the average goes from 226 to 303. Now, I don't know if he'll ever hit 303 again. That could be the high watermark for his career. But if he is a 290 hitter with 33 home runs batting behind Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, Dansby Swanson, and however long they get Freddie Freeman for for a while, this team's going to be really good for a while still. Even 270, 280, yeah. if he's at, at that type of threshold, that changes the the full dynamic of everything he brings to the plate. Mm-hmm. This is a really good team. And congratulations to them knocking off the Dodgers. No one gave him a chance in that. Most people picked him against the Astros because the Astros look better on paper, and they thrived off that underdog mentality. Well, it's what you said just a little bit ago, that they find a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the full mantra for their season. That's what they accomplished this year from start to finish. Uh, they find a way. They're, uh, 
you lose your star player to a uh, uh, season-ending injury. Another fluke uh, off the field uh, thing takes place. Uh, even in the playoffs, you have uh, Soler getting COVID. Well, remember, we were all these the, things. Their ace was going to be Mike Soroka. Remember, everybody was talking about yeah. him back in April, like, "Oh, Soroka will be back in May." And I said, "Well, I don't know." But here we are. The whole year went by, and he didn't pitch an inning for him. So, and he may not. Period. And, and that, that type of injury, Achilles are tough, anyways. But yeah, they they never got him. Oscar Hernella punched that wall, right? Her, broke his hand and pulled a Devin Williams. But it was the middle of the year. But he came back and gave him some good innings in the playoffs. Like they just kind of finagled together. That's a testament to Brian Snicker, great managing. You did really well. Used the bullpen well. I said I thought his bullpen management was great. Not that you know Dusty Baker did a great job for the Astros. I'm like we can sit, we yeah, talk, we can yeah. switch it up a little up here to go to the Astros. Nothing to hang your head on. I think the Astros are a very good team. Anybody who's you know they were nobody was cheering for the Astros once again in that series because of the trash bagging things or whatever. Nobody wanted the Astros to win. Everybody was most people were cheering for the Braves, and that's fine. You pick who you want, but I, the Astros are a really good team. Uh, the pitching they had. Their injuries caught up to them more than the Braves yes, caught up yes. to them was the difference, I would say. It was the injuries that they had caught up to them at the wrong time, and they had kind of finagled it, but it only takes a little bit of a cold stretch, and they were missing a little bit. Like They needed one more good pitcher out there. Lance McCullers not pitching for them really hurt. No question, and uh, their, again, their offense uh, had the... Uh, had the talent and everything you want them to be there. The pitching just wasn't quite enough. Uh, but my question is more gearing with this has been a good team for a number of years now. Uh, trash can, uh, no trash can. This has been a very good team for a number of years. Have we reached Some the, of- the end of not like a full precipice drop, but is this still the same upper echelon World Series contending. Here, here's the issue. Here's why I bring it up. Uh, Carlos Correa is gone. Mm-hmm. I would agree uh, he's, with that. He's the number one free agent. He's going to make the most money uh, within, especially when you hear what the Astros did offer him. Five years, 160 mil, so 32 a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's going to make potentially double that uh, in total number. It's, it's yeah, insane, yeah, but that's what the, the going rate for those shortstops is. Uh, and he has a healthy market, so that all bodes well. Uh, and whatever happens, when we get the new collective collective bargaining agreement, now which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, it's going to benefit the top. Of, it always does. Like the top, there, the there's going to be players. a new level that's going to be there. He's going to have access to that new revenue stream, whatever it's going to end up being. Uh, there's no reason to suspect that he doesn't make uh, near Francisco Lindor or what's been the going rate for these shortstops of rate. So he's gone. The Houston does not pay that level of price for any of their players. And they have been uh, very judicious in getting that second-tier guy that shines. Uh, they've been very good at doing that. Because uh, before Garrett Cole, a perfect example. Yeah. Then what are they, will they go get the Zach Reinke? Uh, they paid for Justin Verlander, but that was still before Garrett Cole prices. Uh, so that was two years, $40 million is what they paid uh, within that. Uh, and now they're looking to do near the same qualifying offer uh, to Verlander that way. See what happens uh, there, but Granky's a free agent. He yeah, wasn't what uh, he uh, has been starting to show some age. Uh, I think that might actually motivate him to do well in his short-term deal somewhere else in the National League is where he's rumored to be preferred yeah. where he wants to go. 
but there's there's questions. Uh, they they have a lot of still have very good talent. Yeah. Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, uh, Jordan, Jordan Alvarez. I, the offense is still very good, mm-hmm. but it seems like each time we're kind of going down a little bit. But again, hard to say when they still went back to the World Series. But it's slipping. Yeah, it, yeah, it's slipping. Right. It's it's a very good team, but Michael Brantley's getting up there. You know, Martin Maldonado's our catcher. He's getting up there. You just mentioned we think Carlos Correa is gone. I don't know how they'll fill that hole. Yuli Gurriel is very old at first base, very good player, but he's he's getting older. And we mentioned it before. Seattle's coming like quickly, and Seattle won what ninety games this year? Yeah, ninety games. And, and they're I, rumored to be wanting to spend. And they should be very talented again. So I'm not going to sit here and say you know Houston's done. Like they're not going to go back. Like I, they'll be a right. very good team next year, but it's not. We we both picked Houston to win to win that division before the season started. It, there's a chance I won't do that next year. Like Seattle, if they make some big moves or some flashy moves, we'll see. And Houston's going to have to figure out their rotation. Like, that's, do they move Christian Javier back into the rotation? Like, I think they can do that. That fills a spot. They moved him to the bullpen this year. Do we know what Justin Verlander is going to be? I don't know if you can rely on Justin Verlander. Now we saw Chris Sale came back from Tommy John this season and looked pretty much like Chris Sale did. And Justin Verlander is a Hall of Fame level pitcher. He will, if he is 80% Justin Verlander, it's a big difference. But you still got to fill probably one more spot. And and if they do that, they do it. And they could be very good again. And it's going to be key to who they get there. I'm not worried about the offense because, again, it's been rumored this way. And I like the the, the fit. Trevor Story. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it would that, be a good seems, fit. that seems like, again, the second tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that goes there and shines. Trevor Story is a great fit there, and you can see him having a, a resurgence after a somewhat down year offensively anyways. Uh, that makes I, I a think, lot of sense there. I think just getting him to a team that's competitive would yes. do wonders for him. Yes. Where, you know, you're not pitching. In Colorado, you can pitch around Trevor Story. Charlie Blackman's fine, but you're not pitching around Trevor Story to get to Kyle Tucker or to get to Alex Bregman or to get to Jordan Alvarez. Like, those are all-star caliber players, whereas in a team like Colorado, you just say, okay, well, Trevor Story's not beating us. So, I think if, if you got a player like Trevor Story to fill in shortstop, sure, then I, they probably would pick them again. And The starting pitching question is what looms large. How the do other, they get that? So, we mentioned Justin Verley. The other question is, for years, we've been waiting for their for Forrest Whitley to be, who has yeah. been their prospect, who is supposed to be this ace pitcher for yeah. years. And it's been one injury after another injury. Is he anything? Like, is he anything anymore? Because if if he is, once again, if, if you can say even a fifth rotation, give us 100 innings. Even a multi-inning reliever. Yeah. Like, there's there's effective roles because they're also going to have a, a need there with, uh, there's free agents there too. Kendall Graven, who they got <laughs> in the, uh, the midseason acquisition, he's a free agent. Yes, he is. And so... I, I don't think I think Jake Odorizzi and Christian Javier flip places. I think Jake Odorizzi is probably better as a bullpen arm, and Christian Javier could probably move back in the rotation. But Luis Garcia kind of came out of nowhere, right? Is, is is he this almost AL Rookie of the Year caliber pitcher? Maybe, but it was very surprising to see it. And so, it, good team, more question marks than we're used to. And, and that's where they stand. Before it's like you see them coming back. You saw them still as a. Uh, this is the favorite. team. To they expect. were a favorite yep, going into 100%. the year. Yeah. You uh, called it, right? You I mean that was yep. your pick. And it, no, it was certainly not out of the question. People were, you know, we thought it was a favorite team and they lived up to it. Now they got six GAD games against the Astros. They won two of them, or excuse me, against the Braves. They won two of them. They fell about down early in one. And I think they put up like an eight spot. Like this is a good team, a good offense. I don't know if it will be my pick next year. It's going to. 
it's truly going to depend what Seattle does because right now I'd still be comfortable saying, yeah, that's that's my AL West favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I still think they're the team to beat. And the Mariners uh, had a, a sneaky good year. They stayed that way. I'm still not sold. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Angels are getting back Mike Trout, right? Like the Angels are getting back Mike Trout, and we've always said they're a pitcher away. And you never know what the Athletics will do. Will they retool it? I I think that team is more like if you're telling me the AL West teams, I think that the Astros are like the Angels are much more advanced within their like window, like they're beyond their window. Whereas the Astros could be towards the end of it, but I'm not saying their window is shut and winning this thing yet. Correct, and and the, the other two teams need to prove that they can take that next step yep. up. Yep. Uh, and again. The only thing we'll say about the AL West is if you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani <laughs> and Anthony Rendon, how can you not make the playoffs? But that's the another that's conversation an for another day. That's an offseason. Uh, let's take a look at as we shift gears to uh, looking at, at next season. As we mentioned, Houston uh, is looking and has some question marks there. There's teams that are trying to fill those question marks with uh, qualifying offers. Uh as we look at the the number of players that were offered that by today's deadline, uh, there are some surprises. Uh, I think not too many overall, but I think there's more players that will accept it this year uh, than I would say I and uh, than at least in previous years. Uh, some are very good candidates for it. I, I think it just kind of used the way. Uh, that it was intended to. Here's a team that just wants to put uh, just a one year, so no long term to it. Obviously, uh, the, the draft pick compensation would be one way to go at it, but uh, no long term compensation, but a higher average annual value. And there's some players where that fits. And Kevin Gausman was the perfect yeah. uh, textbook of that. Here's a guy who pitched well, but we're not sure if he is an ace or not. Uh, and for him, uh, he wasn't going to get that average annual value yet the se- the previous season. Now he will. Uh, but that's what that was for. And so there's some of those players we're going to look at. But why don't you give us a rundown uh, of the players that uh, were extended qualifying offers? Well, let's start with the only relief pitcher to get it this offseason. The Angels made the big trade last offseason to bring in Raziel Iglesias. And he went out and had a spectacular season, really. Uh, 34 saves, 257 ERA, and 103 strikeouts. Led the AL with 59 games finished, and he was the only reliever who got the qualifying offer. Now, one year, 18.6 million is, I believe, what the number is. is I think, if I remember from Corral last year, and so that's that's pretty good money for a relief pitcher. I I think it's possible he says yes to that. The only question is going to be, does he believe he can get more total at the end? Uh, uh, as you can check his age for me while I while I talk about this, I'm just. He, this might be like the last big multi-year deal. Now, again, people are usually pretty reticent to do too many years uh, to relief pitchers, but you could get three or 31. four years. Yeah, so this, you're kind of at that spot where does someone want to invest in uh, more years? Where if you did uh, one year 18 sounds good, three at 45, mm-hmm. uh, with a potential fourth option year or uh, partial buyout uh, uh, within it, uh, that might be more worth it. So you have to do a lot of calculating behind the <laughs> scenes to 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 turn that one down. One at 18 does sound very lucrative. Yeah. I, I, I would expect him to take one. it. That's an interesting one. The Astros put out two, and I think one is a guaranteed no, and I think one is a likely yes. Uh, Carlos Correa will, will say no to his, right? We, we've yeah. just said he's <laughs> he is going to turn down his $18.6 million qualifying offer and become a free agent. Now, you mentioned that they extended the five-year $160 million contract. I've already stated on an earlier podcast, I think he's going to be overpaid. Oh, uh, yeah. But 
yeah, like you said, that that's the market is what it is. Like he will get a big contract someone get from someone. Him. Yep. And so yes, he will turn that down. I think Justin Verlander probably accepts his, right? He's a thirty eight year old who we haven't seen pitch in really two seasons. He got hurt in the yeah. short in twenty it's been like twenty nineteen since we really saw him pitch. So I think he says, sure, I'll take one year at thirty eight years old to pitch for eighteen million dollars. I would agree okay. with that. I think that's the there's the they've always had a good veteran. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. At the top uh, anchor of their staff, from Garrett Cole to uh, to Granke to Verlander, like within it, like, here's the one that can stay. Familiarity, uh, and not shocking at all to see him do well next year. The Blue Jays put out two qualifying offers, and I think both of these are going to be no's. Now, Marcus Simeon, I think, is a, almost a guaranteed no. He basically is being offered the same contract on the qualifying offers he got. Th- this year, he got the one-year $18 million late from Toronto. That's basically what it is this year. But then he went out and had arguably the best second baseman season ever, like 45 home runs for the Blue Jays. So I think it's very likely that he at least – I think it's very likely he resigns in Toronto, but I don't think it will be for that offer. Is he 32? 31. 31. So five year hundred mil. I, I think yeah. I think four to five years in the in that twenty to twenty five million dollar a year range yeah. is certainly within the realm of possibility for him. But I, I think that that is still likely going to be with Toronto. Now that's not to say there won't be. You know, we talked about it last year. Like nobody, he was at the very end of the year. He signed late, and so it was like the one year prove it deal, and you couldn't prove it any better than he did last year. Well, and again, we mentioned uh, executive of the year uh, with getting the World Series. Uh, uh, with uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, uh, GM, uh, runner-up is in, in Toronto. Two one-year deals could not have asked for more. Marcus Simeon goes on to put one of the uh, most historic seasons for a second baseman, uh, and then Robbie Ray uh, becomes a Cy Young uh, a caliber uh, player within it. So uh, for, for this season, uh, you couldn't have got a better pitching performance or hitting performance from anyone in the offseason than what they were able to do. And it's unfortunate, again, this felt like an, uh, an Angels approach. You do that, yet you don't make playoffs. So here's here's the question then. So Robbie Ray, obviously, is the other name that got the qualifying offer. He just got done winning the ALERA title, leading the major leagues in strikeouts. I think he will likely walk away with a Cy Young award. I, I'm sure he's going to turn down this qualifying offer at one year, $18 million. What type of a contract do we think Robbie Ray is going to get now? 30, 30 years old here. And this is it, right? He, he put it all together. For all those t- talk of will he ever put it together, for me sitting here crapping on him on this podcast for a year, this is what the, the p- potential this always was. This was the ceiling. Yeah, this, this is, is the potential. everyone always saw if everything broke right, and this year it did. There have been how many teams leading up to this that hoped that it would be their year, only for it not to happen. He was one year away uh, from getting almost like a, a league minimum mm-hmm. contract. Uh, oh, yeah. That that's how close when he you're was. Walking, he was still getting five to eight million. Was, was it eight million this year? Uh, and and we still said it's crazy that eight, someone yep, gave him eight, eight million bucks. Mm-hmm. I remember laughing about that going into the season. Well, he, last and, year he yeah. walked set. He was walking seven guys per nine innings. It is unbelievable to me that he cut it down to two. Now there's more wild, and like, then there was Robbie Ray. Yes, yes. Did you know that he had a negative war just last season? Like this year, he put up a three point nine. But like he was below league average. So. Will he probably command like four years, eighty million? I could I, see I think it. That's the floor. I, I, I honestly <laughs> think that's the floor. That's that's the craziness of this. Uh, you have a, again one year ago we're talking about he's he could be potentially pitching himself out of the league to now commanding uh, 
if there if a bidding war goes, he does make it to again a hundred million dollar contract. Like it's uh, it is wild. Uh, again, what a one season can do. All I know is that I'm not paying him uh, for that. This is a deal that is almost assuredly will go bad uh, at some point. The question is, when does the clock strike midnight? Uh, do you get one more year of this level out of him near this year? Two years of close to this? That's that's the risk. That's what you want to know. Uh, I don't want to be. I'll tell you this. I do not want to be the team who's on that contract. That that contract would terrify me if I'm a fan of whoever Robbie Ray signs with. Because you never know when, from one start to the next, Robbie Ray goes back to walking six guys per nine innings. I would want assurances from ownership saying, we can roll the dice here, here's the risk, uh, but are you fine with absorbing that contract if he doesn't end up being this player? Uh, that's one I would want ownership to sign off on. Uh, I'd give him, here's the scout. I give him the full information and make him mm-hmm. make the call. I'm not making the call and putting my job on the line uh, for him. I would want ownership to do that. Let's talk about a guy I'm ready to tip. I'd put my job on the line for. This one was a foregone conclusion. The Braves offered the qualifying offer to Freddie Freeman. Uh, he just got done playing out his eight-year, $135 million contract. He's won an MVP award. They just won the World Series. I doubt he takes the qualifying offer, but there's no way he doesn't play for the Braves next year either. I'm sure it's going to be like 32 years, three years, four years again some mutual options in there, but I bet you he gets close to like another four-year, $90 million contract, something in there. Yeah, I would think you're, you're well within that that range. Could it extend to something like uh, 5 one ten? Yeah, it, it, uh, somewhere in that range you're at, but I don't see there being other teams that are involved in this. This is a one-team negotiation, not because others wouldn't want him, but this is your guy you're keeping. You're coming off a World Series year. You just got the, uh, 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 the new uh, stadium, like, this is everything unfolding the way you wanted it to. You get this contract signed, and, and you move forward. The Dodgers offered two qualifying offers. Corey Seager, I think, will turn his down. He will yep. be the other well, one of the other massive shortstops. Uh, he just got done hitting another 306 with 16 home runs in only 95 games. He won a World Series MVP two years ago. He will be highly desired. If you want to say he is the consolation prize to yeah. Carlos Correa, sure. I would actually prefer Corey Seager if you're asking me, but I effused my love for Corey Seager before on this podcast. So I think he turns it down and becomes, you know, you're looking five years, 160 million is, no, that's too low. I would say like five years, probably close to 200 million, somewhere in that range, six years. I, I don't know. And, he, you know, he's got health issues. The, the thing with him is always the health concerns. But yep. we'll see where he ends up. Chris Taylor's an interesting one because that's the other person they offered it to, not Clayton Kershaw, which we'll get to, but Chris Taylor got it coming off of a career year, 351 he hit this year at 31. He reminds me so much of Kike Hernandez. <laughs> and this sounds like the Dodgers learning their lesson uh, from Kike Hernandez. Uh, uh, and again, they, they had so much other talent. I mean, you get it. Like, this was someone who went on to say, I can get more at-bats elsewhere, get a chance to shine, and, and he does. Uh, this is them still trying to uh, pay uh, a super utility guy as a starter on this team. And Kike Hernandez was, what, two years, $18 million? So now we're at uh, one year, $18 million. I don't see Chris Taylor getting more uh, close to an average annual, maybe $12 million a season over like three thirty six. Give me the one eighteen, and then uh, see how everything goes from there. I think he gave us two years, 14. But yeah, yeah. I, I think Chris Taylor probably takes that. And I think he's more valuable 
to the Dodgers than he necessarily, like, I'm not saying Chris Taylor's a good player. I would be happy. A lot of teams would be very happy to have Chris Taylor slot in somewhere on their team. Absolutely. But it's, we talk about this a lot where as good as the Dodgers are, where a lot of their players just fit better there than they would elsewhere. Like Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, right? Max Muncie. They just seem to fit really good with the Dodgers and Chris Taylor seems to be one of them. And I think that's the case with this next day. We were talking about it a little bit upstairs. Brandon Belt getting an $18 million qualifying offer. That's, that's a big offer for another guy who's now 33 he's coming off of a, he broke his thumb. Remember he was not available in the postseason. Yeah. He also had a career year there this year, 29 home runs. Um, I thought it was a little high. I think that if I was Brandon belt, I would probably take that and stay in San Francisco where I've been my whole career. Yeah. That's uh, 18 million reasons why to stay. And uh, so again, uh, this is more, usually you have maybe two, three tops that actually take the qualifying offer on most years. We've already passed that in the ones that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, uh, I think, four candidates already uh, who have good reason uh, to uh, take that uh, uh, one-year deal. And the Mets got two more. And I yeah. think one of them has almost no chance. I, I, Michael Conforto had a down year, underwhelming 2021, but he's still very young. He's proven to be an extremely high-on-base guy who can hit for power. I think Michael Conforto says no to the qualifying offer, and I think he gets – at least somebody's willing to give him somewhere in the $20 million for three to four years range, I would think at least. And then Syndergaard is interesting, right? Because it's kind of like Justin Verlander, except he's 25, 6. I don't know. He may be a little older than that now, but he's not 38 coming off of Tommy John. He's quite a bit younger coming off of Tommy John, but we haven't seen him pitch again in a couple of years. When we have seen him pitch, it's, it's lights out, right? It's 100-mile-an-hour stuff, but is the arm fixed is is it okay and so I know that he seems like the type of guy who would likely turn that down and bet on himself but it might not work let's let's put it this way Corey Kluber signed a one year was it 10 or 12 million mm-hmm. off of how many consecutive injured seasons uh, and it's been a while since you had more solid performance uh, so if if he's making that at Noah at his age? Syndergaard is 29. So here's my question to you. Okay, let's say he turns this down. Mm-hmm. 100 innings, more or less. Because mm. if you're going to pay him $20 million a year, and you, better expect, question, you right? better expect more than 100 innings out of him. And I'm not banking on him giving me 100 innings yet. If you're doing, you're banking on it. If you're sending, if oh you're yeah, if you're that paying money. that contract, you're saying Noah Syndergaard, you're gonna give me at least 140 good innings. But I say 100 to 150 innings. That's the, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Obviously, 150 is what I want to get to, mm-hmm. uh, but it's more or less like I will uh, baby him throughout the year because I want October innings. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to sign him to this type of contract if you're not planning on October. Uh, that's number one. Like this is a guy that you're wanting to do this. The team that I think should roll the dice is one we'll talk about from a different thing. But Chicago Cubs, like this is another team. If you are rebuilding your uh, your rotation, if you're trying to get going, or again, Angels, rather yeah. than spending like uh, over 100 million Robbie Ray, give me give me 18 million. If I'm Toronto, uh, I'd rather have Noah Syndergaard than Robbie Ray. Yeah, I tell you that right now. I think if I'm Toronto, I'd rather take my Houston Astros. Yeah, sure. Here's another one for a one-year yeah. pillow contract. Like there's there's enough teams that make sense where if I'm Noah Syndergaard, yeah, unless I want to stay in New York, if I'm comfortable in New York and that's where I want to be, I'll take the qualifying offer. 
Uh, but if I actually do want to explore elsewhere, then I, I'm turning that down for sure. We'll see. That'll be an interesting. Those, those two are interesting. Conforto, I think, actually could take it. Do I, you? I don't know if he's going to get that money based well, off the down year. Like year. He seems like the one-year pillow contract type, uh, and $18 million is a heck of a pillow. So he hit... He played 125 games. He hit 232. Yeah, that's 14 homers, 55 RBIs. Still had that high on base percentage, 344, but it was it's certainly the lowest year that we've seen, and the, the power just dried up. That's what's weird about it. It's 27, 28, 33 in those last three full years, and then the power dried up. But I don't know, yeah. He was a 101 OPS plus, so he's basically league average. So if you're going to make $18 million for one year and take a chance on yourself, it's it's possible we see Syndergaard, or excuse me, Conforto take that. That that was again another one of those borderlines you could see either way. Here we go, last one that got offered the qualifying offer. The Red Sox, Eduardo Rodriguez. So, remember he missed all of last season with the COVID um, yep. heart thing, myocarditis, right? Here we go, and then came back, twenty eight years old, and had an okayish season, I guess. The ERA is high, four seventy five, but struck out one hundred eighty five and pitched better than what the, the ERA. The FIP is gets. good, like because yep. I remember looking at him a couple times in fantasy, and I was like. Why is what's going on here? Why is he not pitching better? And then he pitched really well for them in the playoffs. So, you know, 28 years old is pretty young. And we've seen the talent, right? Everybody's seen the talent with Eduardo Rodriguez. It's coming off a down year again, though, kind of like Conforto. So I think he probably says no and tries to get a little longer, but I could also see him saying yes, coming off that down season. You see, that's another tough one because what's his ceiling if everything breaks right? Four years, 60 mil? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, which is going to be a little less average annual value, but overall, that's going to get you past the 50 mil plateau. I, mean, I think that's kind of what you're looking for. I, it's yeah, tough. You, I mean, it's tough. Again, there's some teams that could potentially do that uh, and, and buy the upside. And again, people have been buying Robbie Ray upside for years, so it's possible uh, but it it's a gamble. Uh, at eighteen million, it's definitely a gamble. He had the lowest FIP of his career last year, three thirty two, but the ERA jumps to four seventy four. So, a team in a better pitching park should be all over him. Miami, you want to yeah. really crank yeah. up your pitching staff? Full it up. I trust him to develop somebody like that, like something like that. I don't know, but there's some teams again that could get creative with him mm-hmm. that I think would be a very good fit. Your team. Uh, so, well, they won't pay that money, I know though. they won't. <laughs> uh, but uh, a Seattle, another yeah. one in the right type of ballpark. If Gausman does go elsewhere, San that Francisco that would be a is a fantastic yeah, fit be. for them. Uh, that's one I could see them doing. Or even if they do get Gausman, if they don't sign some of their others within it, he slots in very nicely there at an average annual value that fits more or less what their budget is going for, what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. That's a great fit over there. It is. You're 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 nailing that one. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll talk about that more next uh, next actually, week in our in our uh, uh, prognosticating uh, prowess. I actually said that was the last one, but I was wrong. It's not. So Nick but Castellanos. Wait, there's more. Nick Castellanos opted out of the final two years in thirty four million. Yeah, thirty four million dollars of his contract with the Reds, which was not all that unexpected. He's played great. Had a career year this year, and so he opted out, and then. The Red Six into the qualifying offer to him, which is also not that surprising. Now, I think that he is going to probably say no to that because he just turned down essentially seventeen million dollar years, and I don't think one and a half million is enough to say, "Oh yeah, now I'm here to stay." I think he's looking to get 
a coming off a 309 season with 34 home runs. I think he's looking to get a very large contract this time. Four years, 80 million. My, I think you're in that in that realm because you also have for for both leagues now. You have the DH as the safety net. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, he someone is going to pay him, uh, and there's a lot of teams that are already looking at him. Miami would like him. Seattle would like him. Uh, at least I know Brewers fans would like him. Uh, there are teams uh, that are definitely looking at him because he does a little bit of everything and slots very well into the middle of that order. Uh, it's kind of like the last time you had a, a JD Martinez yeah, yeah. in Detroit, like a young one. A same, like a it, it's one. a yeah. very similar type of player. Maybe not quite the same ceiling yet uh, within it, but uh, JD still Martinez an excellent. Didn't always have that ceiling either. There's That's those true. JD Martinez years with Houston were not the same. These still JD Martinez years elsewhere. But uh, the last one is Trevor Story, the third of the Uber shortstop prospects, and. Kind of a down year for him, but a 2020 season is a down year as a 28-year-old. That's his third in a row if you take out the 2020 weird shortened season. So, you know, we've talked about Trevor Story. We all thought he was going to be traded at the trade deadline. It was logical. The Rockies didn't. This was their decision instead was we will keep him. We will offer him this qualifying offer. He will say no to this qualifying offer because he's going to get paid very handsomely by someone else. And the Rockies will get a competitive balance pick. And so we're going to get to another guy that they didn't offer one to. I, I guess it's better than that. So, Ace, how about that? Is there any uh, free agent that didn't get a qualifying offer that surprised you? Okay, so here's a list of guys that did not get them. According to, I'm on MLB.com. It's their notable ones. Mark Canna. 18 million is a lot. Like I like Mark Canna. 18 million is a lot for a high on base player. Steven Mance from the Blue Jays, n- nope, they have to pay other guys. Like, I'm not surprised by that. Obviously, Al Garcia from the Brewers, so he opted out of his contract. They had a mutual agreement, and he got so many plate appearances that he opted out. I believe he was about to get about $18 million. I think he said he wants in the $22 million range. So is it surprising? One year, 18, the Brewers had two other – Jackie Bradley opted into a $13 million contract this year, which was – he was going to do that because there's nobody paying him that right now. So – I don't think they could afford it. Clayton Kershaw didn't get a qualifying offer from the Dodgers. There That's is a, a respect thing. I think there is like, as I say, there's like a one in a hundred chance that he's not resigning with the Dodgers anyways. And I don't think that they worry about him going anywhere else. I think they just know like, look, Clayton Kershaw blank check it. Tell us what you want. Like <laughs> we will pay you it, to stay here. There's always been rumors of him wanting to potentially go pitch in Houston, Texas. Yep. Uh, so there's, and essentially, they want him to do that without because sometimes these qualifying offers can detract other teams from making an offer. So I, I think they want if you want to be here, we want you here. If you want to go somewhere else, you go with our blessing. Yeah, so that's, I, I that's think pretty much where that goes. I, to. I'm not. I would put that. I said it, less than five percent that Clayton Kershaw Agreed. pitches with anybody else. Let next year, the Giants. We mentioned you know, you mentioned how great they were with pitching. Well, some of those guys are free agents. Di Sclafani did not get the qualifying offer. Eight. We saw it last year with Gaussman. Di Sclafani is like he was great for him. Don't get me wrong, he's not Kevin Gaussman. Correct. He doesn't have that one wipeout pitch that Gaussman has with the splitter. And Alex Wood is the same thing. Like good pitchers, right? They find these marginal guys, but they're not going to pay him for what the year they just had. They're going to pay him for the year that they can get them to have, if that yep. makes sense. Like they are not going to give those guys those types of contracts. Uh, Tommy Pham with the Padres, it's not all that surprising. He had a terrible year, and the Padres have plenty of other money tied up now. John Gray is weird. Uh, the Rockies did not trade him at the trade deadline, and then I think one year, $18 million would have been 
sufficient. Like, I think that's a pretty good offer for him. I think if you would extended that to him, there's a chance he takes it, but there's a very good chance he says no anyways because he's – everybody wants – okay, here's another one. Is John Gray all that different than Robbie Ray? Because he's another one, potential galore, right? But everyone says, oh, he pitches in Colorado. He pitches in Colorado. Look at the road numbers. Could he go out and get $20 million a year? Yeah, like there's a chance on that. So it's a little surprising that he didn't get a qualifying offer. Yeah, I think it's the, the difference between those two was always the, the, the tantalizing potential from the left-hand side <laughs> yep. was Robbie Ray. John Gray being right-handed uh, didn't quite have that same, but the the potential is there, and uh, I want to know what pitching program picks him up because uh, everyone one, right? sees the, the upside. So, again, could that be a, a, a San Francisco thing? Could that be a Houston thing? Could it be a, even a Rays thing, depending upon what the price is mm-hmm. there within it? Uh, and, and also, you get into the uncertainty. Some of these types of players can end up in the uh, musical chairs game without a chair at the end that you expected that would get more money, uh, but just the way the offseason goes. Uh, I could see that being uh, different there. We'll see. Uh, but he's, uh, he's one of the more surprising ones. I would say the most surprising one is still coming. Uh, next up on their list is the Twins have Simmons, Andrelton Simmons, and Michael Pineda. I don't think they want to pay anybody right now. They're, Neither they, one rises to that level. They're understanding that they are in this rebuild. I think they tend to understand that. Now, here's the surprising one, I guess, and it's Carlos Rodon because mm. he's coming off a phenomenal season with the White Sox, the best year of his career, 237 ERA and over 132 innings with 185 strikeouts and 36 walks, like fully backed up by the FIP and the whip. But I think something's wrong with that arm. Because if you remember, in September, suddenly the velocity dropped way down. Now, he kept pitching very well. But suddenly they were only like, hey, you're going to go four innings. You're going to go five innings. And I'm not even sure if he pitched for them in the playoffs. So I don't know if they know more than we do because, once again, he's another one. The entire career it's been – Look at the potential, but, oh, he's hurt. Look at the potential, but, oh, he's hurt. And so then we saw it this year, but then at the end, did he get hurt again? I I don't know. Otherwise, I don't think, like, if, if he's fully healthy, he will shatter $18 million a year because 28-year-olds with that type of stuff don't hit markets very often. But if he's got an arm problem again, that that's where we're at. <laughs> well, look at it this way. In May, he pitched 29.2 innings. In August and September, October, the last two months of the season, he pitched 28. Yeah. So the, the, why less innings uh, that's significant? And again, if you're wanting to pay him that type of money, you're expecting him to be there for at least five to six innings uh, each start. <coughs> uh, it's hard to commit to a multi-year deal uh, with that type of uh, arm history. Now, this is, again, where we said that's the point of the qualifying offer, the way a lot of teams have used it. One year, $18 million. You're not on the hook for a, 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 a significant uh, or multi-year uh, commitment. And at a price point, that coming off one year, $5 million, uh, seems a little more uh, attractive at that point, and especially if he's comfortable. Uh, this, this one's an interesting one. Uh, I'll be curious to see what does he end up getting uh, this offseason. He's the one I think I'm, I'm going to watch. Like I said, I, you know, I think obviously El Garcia will do very well for himself in free agency. I think John Gray will do well for himself. I, I, Clayton Kershaw is in a whole new level. Like that one doesn't really count. And I think Carlos Rodon will do very well. Pineda will have like Pineda, Simmons, Tommy Pham. They'll have suitors, but I think they'll all end up below that $18 million threshold anyways. So 
we'll see. Uh, let's talk about uh, players who had options who uh, either picked up or declined their options. Uh, probably the, one of the most significant ones that will also impact another player in the free agent market is uh, J.D. Martinez. That was the most surprising one. Most people had, ex- had anticipated that he would uh, decline that option uh, in light of uh, the DH being now for expected to be, uh, including the National League and more suitors and a, and a chance to get your last like more multi-year deal. He chose to stay with that, which, again, also makes you wonder, uh, again, agents have a way of getting feelers out there and, and getting a pulse for things. So you ha- you made your already a calculated bet. Uh, I was just saying lo- is interesting. I was just looking to see what Nelson Cruz got last year because like, Nelson, you know, the fact remains, right, they're probably going to be 15 more DHs, uh, spots available, which is going to increase the market. But Nelson Cruz got $13 million this year, right? J.D. Martinez is getting... 22 million I think 22 million roughly a year so is he going to take he's coming off of a 28 home run three 286 season with 99 RBIs like a very much JD Martinez season he is certainly someone who 2020 when that shortened season was the outlier right like I'm not sure there's a whole lot of sign of him slowing down at 33 years old could he play to a 150 WRC plus for maybe not 150, like 130 for the next three years. Sure. I think that's possible. Does that mean that, I don't want to say this. He seems, you mentioned like the Houston years or the Detroit years. Like he's clearly comfortable in Boston, right? Mm -hmm. So could he have left, gotten perhaps a little more money and struggled? I think that's very likely. Like I think the fit in Boston is so good. It's kind of similar to like David Ortiz. People forget that he was not very good with Minnesota. Right. And then he got to Boston and it worked. And so he just stayed there. And I think it's kind of the same thing with JD Martinez where he's very comfortable. The park is perfect for him. He hits a bajillion line drives hard to left field. And he just, I think he led the league in doubles this year. JD Martinez is not, JD Martinez is not a fast guy. That's not why he led the league in doubles. He hits it hard off the green monster. It ricochets and he gets into second base. Like there's a, it is a perfect mix of like talent meets park. And so I'd say I, I understand why he did it. It was surprising, but I certainly understand why he did it. Uh, let's talk some other ones here. Uh, Nick, we already mentioned Nick Castellanos. He chose not to come back. Jock Peterson, you mentioned Jocktober. He turned down his qualifying offer, essentially making him a free agent. Now, he, and we're actually going to, we're going to lump him and Kyle Schwarber together because just like last season where they struggled to find a job. Remember, we were sitting here talking like, are Jock Peterson and Kyle Schwarber going to find a job? They should take advantage of the fact that there is now all these new DHs. Absolutely. Because uh, defensively, both of them struggle. Jack Peterson is perhaps a little, he was supposed to be a good defender. He's perhaps better than Kyle Schwarber, but he is not a good defender and he strikes out a little too much. But as you saw in the postseason, when he gets hot, he gets like scorching hot. And the yeah. same thing can be said for Kyle Schwarber. I think they will do very well for themselves with this DH. Like they will not struggle to find a job this time. They will get 13, 15 million in that range. I, I think they could get Nelson Cruz like money. If I, uh- if Schwarber's in, in that ballpark, uh, give me him over Nelson Cruz right now because of age. Uh, be, and despite the fact that Schwarber is uh, still a platoon bat, and Jocktober a little bit the, the same mm-hmm. way, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so there's that's part of the warts that, that go with them, but it he did it twice. Again, it's one thing to get hot once. What you saw what Schwarber did for uh, the Nationals and then for the Red Sox when you can do when he gets hot, he carries a team. 
Yes. Uh, and to do it twice in one season says this is possible, uh, not just in a, some sort of career year, but something that's sustainable. Uh, as part of the, yes, there's hot and cold, but he's normally not like terribly cold. He'll go through slumps, but mm-hmm. not like all or nothing type. He would be my number one target for a DH uh, uh, this offseason. Schwarber would, yeah, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. With, with his high on-base skills, because like you said, he Absolutely. even when he's cold, he still draws a lot of walks. That's always been the calling card for Kyle Schwarber. That's why he was a top-five pick. Um, let's do some old veterans who turned down theirs, uh, or was turned down, I should say. Philly had the option on Andrew McCutcheon for $15 million, and they declined that option. Now... I don't. I, fifteen was a lot. I don't think he probably is worth fifteen million dollars anymore. But I do think that he will have a market. I do think someone would still be interested in his services. His issue this past year, he crushed left-handed pitching, not so much right-handed, uh, and that's been a, a a bit of a pattern. And that's a lot of money for a, a part-time uh, platoon player for a player that is not ready for that role. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that's part of the challenge is who's going to utilize him where I would give him a few more days off versus tough righties. Uh, he still can play some solid defense, uh, but again, you're going to have to pick and choose how you use him. So again, that's going to be the right type of team that's going to maximize him well. I'm calling it right now. The Giants will take that, and they will platoon him, and they will get the most out of him like they tend to do. That would be a... Great fit for them because they find another these, veteran player that yep. fits that clubhouse and team. I, I agree there. I think that would be a great fit for him to be. I'll go out west, take advantage of what they have, and see what you like. You said and, if, it, if you can crush one hand, we just saw what it did for Brandon Bell, right? He crushes one hand, and so he's about to get paid very well. And you know, maybe Andrew McCutcheon is you know, he's one in, former MVP, right? He's a great player. He's thirty four years old. He's clearly slowing down, but we've seen what they do out there. They seem to revitalize these guys, and maybe you get one or two good years more out of him. He's another one I could see the the market hitting hard and, and not mm-hmm. a good way. Oh, yeah. sure. uh, not getting what he thinks his value is. Uh, that helps a team like the Giants as they're trying to assemble uh, and, and roll it back. Yeah, I, for sure. How about Cesar Hernandez, another veteran here? Remember, he got moved at the trade deadline to the White Sox because they had to replace Nick Madrigal. Uh, they declined his $6 million option for 2022. So he had a career-high 21 home runs this year, but the OPS dropped to a almost career low 694 and he was pretty bad with the White Sox after they traded for him so I do think he probably lands a starting job somewhere this year he's 31 years old he's shown to be versatile in the past I'm not sure that it's a job that's on a contending team necessarily like it seems more uh veteran leadership on a team like like we just mentioned the Marlins right like they already have all the pitching in the world they have to start developing something like could you sign Cesar Hernandez to fill in second base for it? Well, it just has a place there, so probably not. But um, like that type of a team, a young team that is rebuilding that Texas, something like that. It's going to take that because, again, this wasn't the year that he hoped for, so it's not the ideal going into free agency, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to take that type of a role, uh, and with that type of a role, that also means the, uh, uh, the contract goes down. Uh, but he has the past credentials uh, on him. He could have a very good uh, first half, and I'm getting traded to a contending team, uh, and uh, who knows how that goes. But that's, uh, that's yeah, the type of market that he's looking at. Yeah, two more here. How about, I think there's a chance Brett Gardner retires, right? So 
The 38-year-old, he had the player option, uh, $2.3 million. He turned it down. The Yankees could have given him a $7 million team option. They turned that down. So 38 at this point, largely ineffective. He's He plays more on the fact that he's this, like, Yankees pseudo legend not like he's not Mariano Rivera right but like he's been around for long enough that he sort of just gets by and they play him a lot over and irritates me over Clint Frazier but he could be back with the Yankees as a bench option I don't think he's playing anywhere else or he retires right I think he has more value to the Yankees than he does anywhere else and yep. I think also from a comfort level the Yankees matter more than anyone else it's not two it's not seven so then you're looking at about a one-year four to five million dollar deal maybe with a little bit of incentives within it. I see him back because too many of their outfielders are injury-prone. You That's need sure. a guy like him who can fill in and give you starters minutes, uh, mm-hmm. starting time for in spurts. Uh, when you have the uh, uh, the eventual IL stint by uh, Stanton or, uh, or Judge, etc. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he has value there for them, and it's a matter of lining it up. Uh, but, yeah, he's been there. Why would you start over at this point? He doesn't want to. He, he goes within it. But I'll, here's the one potential thing that could change that. He took it upon himself and, and was respected within the clubhouse within it, but as that clubhouse like veteran leader, not the in terms of talent leader, but just the guy who's been there, he's been connected to the things, uh, extremely respected. Garrett Cole went off on him. Uh, when back when the t- uh, the sticky tag stuff was going on, uh, you had, uh, I don't know what he had, like a, a ball that was uh, uh, Brent Gardner just, just trying to be a little bit of clubhouse fun to ease the tension from things. Had a ball so like, stuck to his hand that it couldn't move or was attached to his head or there was some, some sort of little antic that was there. Everyone else found us good-natured humor in it except <laughs> for Garrett Cole who went into his face yeah, you don't want to piss him off. <laughs> and but again, like you know, like, dude, just he was trying to tell him just to chill, but I mean, A, it says more about Garrett Cole. Yeah, Garrett uh, Cole which is, is concerning. Yeah. Uh at, at the level at which that went. But then also, can you be that uh that role player if if you're gonna have your knees cut out from you from the, the most expensive player on the team? So how does that fit within that? Are they able to at least find their lanes where that works? Otherwise, mm-hmm. That that may end it uh, in and of itself. Yeah, I, I, I you have to show me this video sometime. I have to see this because I haven't seen that one yet. But yeah, if you're not, you know, Garrett Cole, you mentioned Stanton and Judge. Garrett Cole is the the future of that team. Like they have to figure it out. What and if you're not getting along with the quote unquote veteran leadership, then uh, I feel like. Brett Gardner gets kicked to the curb there, and they will figure out a way to find Garrett Cole someone else he's more comfortable with. If Garrett Cole, through his agent, uh, lets the word be known that he doesn't want him in the clubhouse anymore, that's how that's going to go. The pitcher on the list, here's an interesting one. This this one's intriguing to me. So Yusei Kikuchi opted out of his deal. He had a $13 million option, and it is a tale of two halves. So I don't know if it's – you mentioned the sticky stuff, right? I don't know if it's the sticky stuff or not, but – the first half of the year, remember, he was an all-star this year. He had 348 ERA, 98 strikeouts to 34 walks at the midway point. And then the second half of the year, a 598 ERA, a 170 whip with 65 walks or 65 strikeouts to 28 walks in 58 innings. Left-handed, still 30 years old. Like, you know, you mentioned lefties are automatically more valuable than righties, right? So And uh, uh good velo. Yeah, yeah. He throws hard. It's it's interesting. Um 
I think that he probably does better than that $13 million option. So I think I understand why he did it. I think there will be a lot of teams that are interested in a 30 year old lefty who's shown certainly success where that is. I don't know, but I don't think there's going to be a lack of options for him. The question is going to be at, at what, uh, at what uh, value uh, and how many years I think you get like my guess, like you could probably get 16 million for like three years, three years, 48, yeah. three years, 50 million. A team, I, I you mentioned Houston, like right? Like yep. a team like Houston that's shown that they could develop pitching with Velo, like somebody like Houston would be a great fit for him. We don't know what Charlie Moore, like Atlanta, right? Atlanta just won the World Series. We talk about how their pitching is young and Atlanta did. Uh, it was a one year contract extension with, with Charlie Morton. So he's, oh, did they already? He's oh, I didn't in, see that. Okay. Uh, uh, provided that there's no complications from. Uh, from what happened in the World Series, but otherwise he should be back next year. Oh, I didn't. See, I did not see that. Otherwise, good another lefty to replace him. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I I think Kikuchi will do well for himself this offseason. I think that's a he's an a underrated one. pickup. Yes, he is. Uh, that's not going to get the publicity that others will get, but there's definitely uh, higher potential for that price point uh, to uh, to get a good pitcher. I think we talk about that though. With we mentioned it a couple of years ago when we first started this podcast with some of the Asian pitchers, right? Like mm-hmm. Yunjin Ryu and Kenta Maeda. It's just something where they just tend to be, you know, those were probably because the Dodgers just didn't pitch them that much, but something where like they just tend to be undervalued. Now, those are the guys I have for some options to client for the bull. We already talked about obviously El Garcia too. And like Andrew Chafin in the bullpen, Jake Diekman in the bullpen. Those guys got their options declined. Options picked up. Uh, we talked about Yuli Gurriel. His option was, I believe he had the option in that case. He opted to take it to pick it back up, and he will return to Houston. It's a pretty good fit. It's a good team. It makes a lot of sense. Charlie Blackman. So Charlie Blackman had a player option and a very expensive player option, but it was not surprising to see him pick that up. I believe 26, I mean, it's loaded in here, 20, $21 million at 35 years old and another $10 million option next year. Now, He's slipping, right? Like Charlie Blackman is starting to show that age. This is, is it? It's not all that different than Andrew McCutcheon at this point. I think yep. he's his propel, yep. is his propped up by the fact that he has Colorado to kind of boost a little bit of the numbers. But seven sixty one OPS with thirteen home runs, he'll be you know he's going to play every day for Colorado or as much as they're willing to you know as much as his body will take it. But he's he's not the player he was just a couple of years ago. Correct, and and that's a uh, uh, taking it all the way to the bank. Uh, and uh, I see him there for both years because if he also dips down, I don't see like ten million still might be high in another year. Now he doesn't have any like I said before. Like Trevor Story has the line of protection now. You know he might be the not a great player anymore, but it's him and CJ Cron, and then it's you know what are you getting out of Ryan McMahon or some of these guys that I think on a good team might have developed into something, but this is Colorado, and I don't trust them to do anything well up there. So you know it, it could be getting slowly getting worse even there. Uh, the most obvious option that a team was going to pick up was the Cleveland baseball team, whatever they are anymore, has exercised their twelve billion dollar option on Jose Ramirez. It was the most that was, foreg- that was the most foregone conclusion on planet Earth. Like the MVP caliber player that he is, put another eight ninety three OPS. How like I feel like we hardly ever talked about thirty six home runs, twenty seven steals, one hundred and three RBIs, one hundred eleven runs. Like just like clockwork excellence. He is. Uh- he even lived underneath the shadow of a former teammate uh, for yeah. years with Francisco Lindor. Jose Ramirez was every bit as good uh, uh-huh. and uh, was solid defense, like all-around player. Uh, and you just listed those numbers <laughs> that and are I, there. And it's probably— and, and overlooked. 
and it's probably the best contract in baseball, right? Like they have another, they have another $14 million option on him next year. Like he will get undervalued again next year. That's why there's always talk of, you know, will they trade Jose Ramirez? Like it is the best contract in the game, at least for well this year and next year. So if they were going to trade him, it's not the Francisco Lindor thing where they're like, Oh, but was it enough? They would get a haul and a half for Jose Ramirez, but he'll be back there another year. Here's an interesting one. Uh, the highest paid pitcher in the game did not opt out of his contract. His name is Trevor Bauer. So he chose to exercise his $32 million option of that three-year $102 million option he signed. Remember, we talked about how amazing that op- that contract was that Rachel Galuba got him. And so he opted back in because guess what? He's still getting paid. And he very well, there's a, as I said, before we start, there's a chance I don't, per year, I think he's the, going to be the highest paid pitcher in the league next year. And we may not throw a pitch. And that's a, the Dodgers are stuck because if they try to push, it's hard for them to push in any direction. You can't push to try to get him off or get, there's such a mess uh, that there's no easy solution to. And and with the language of the contract with things, I don't know if you're going to be able to uh, try to uh, not pay him. And then if you anger him uh, within it, you're going to be stuck in, in, in legal battles that way when you just want the you just want it to go away. You'd be just That's all that you like, want. So right now, be, with your financial strength, you're just paying this to go away. Yeah, you're just burying it in the side, and this is going to get delayed with uh, like long court battles and uh, continuances. And the way this is going to go, yeah, there's a chance he doesn't pitch and ending with no resolution to this. And there is nothing the Dodgers can do to make that go faster. Nope. Uh, so. You'd, you'd take yeah. that, right? Like, you just sitting there. You said you eat that yeah, one. There's nothing they can do about it. Uh, two more that got picked up. The Diamondbacks picked up Merrill Kelly. Remember, he was a popular trade target name because of the fact that he had this option, $5.25 million. It was a solid year, 444 ERA, 130 strikeouts to 41 walks and 158 innings. In Five million right? bucks for a number four or number five starter. Yeah. That's, that's as cheap as it gets. Yep. And the big one, uh, Craig Kimbrell, right? So the trade, remember, it was he's a free agent, but he's got this option. So everybody said, like, you could actually get another year. And the White Sox made the trade, and they, you know, Tony Larusa is locked into the 1990s and can't understand that pitchers can pitch in different roles necessarily, Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell. But Kimbrell was okay. Uh, they ox- exercised the $16 million option. I do not think it precludes them from saying perhaps like trading him. I yeah, think that's possible. That, I think that's even likely. Yeah. Uh, he did not fit, was not comfortable uh, in, in that setup role as a result of <laughs> Tony LaRusso. I, I 100% agree that he didn't allow him to get comfortable in that role. He also messed with the star closer to yeah. boot. Not with it was. This is not the situation for an old school manager. Uh, and again, Kimbrell was not connected in that way. Uh, so I do believe a trade is happening. Uh, and what's interesting is that they may end up potentially eating a little bit of that to get a better return with it. What they see is an asset that is available to be moved that can still help the team. Uh, and they'd rather pay for the, the opportunity to let it figure itself out uh, than making any decisions at this point. I think that, you know, I still think, on that one year, let's say even they eat four million of that one year, twelve million. Like they'll be, we Shooters, just mentioned like Raziel Iglesias is going to probably possibly take that qualifying offer at eighteen million. Like 
they're very comparable, right? Like Craig Kimbrell and Raziel Iglesias are basically the same. So there'll be plenty of people that are going to be interested in Houston that contract. line one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll have, though you're not going to want to trade that to a competitor that way on the American League side, but you'll have others uh, within that. The Dodgers uh, are constantly uh, talking uh, about Dodgers replacing Kenley the, Jansen, yep. right? They're always uh, but talking about it. Although, would you really want to trade uh, from one volatile to the next? Yeah. That doesn't seem like the uh, the fit there, but there will be suitors. That that much is, is true. Back to the Padres. Yeah. They always love making big trades. AJ Preller's gotta that, have something left in his them. AJ Preller has to have something left in his book of, to make a trade for. Speaking of the Padres, let's talk a little bit of their new manager, right? Yeah. That, nice segue. I, I, I got it too, dude. Bob Melvin. So when we talk about new managers, we're back to the old new managers here because Bob Melvin has been around baseball many years, but that was who the remember. That's kind of what they said. They were tagging all these older guys who've had experience managing. And so they went to Bob Melvin, who's been with, Ooh, let's see here. Most recently it was with Oakland, but there was like a diamondback stint in there. And I feel like I'm forgetting one Seattle, maybe. Yeah. Seattle. That was right. Look at that Seattle. So, you know, he pitched, he was with Oakland for, 10 years? Yes, 10 years. And one American League Manager of the Year. It's a good manager, right? A good manager. I think it's a good fit. I don't, I said, I I was fine with Chase Tingler, right? I, I was fine with Chase Tingler, but I think Bob Melvin will... Stabilizing force. Stabilize it, and it's not, it, it's a difference. There's certainly a change in attitudes there between them, but it's not, you know, going, some of the names they were throwing out, like Buck Showalter, that's back to the Tony LaRusso thing, right? Like super old school. And this is, Bob Melvin is not that. It is a mixture of the old and the new, I would say. Because he's someone that knows how to play uh, uh, veterans and young players yes. with what Oakland was. like. Th- there was a uh, a definite blend there, and he could shift and uh, maximize the, his team and talent uh, no matter who it was that was there, especially in a, in a team that can constantly re-image itself uh, as it moves forward, and he handled that well. Uh, yeah, this is a, a great fit for San Diego. Uh, let's talk the Cardinals. The Cardinals hired a new manager who is pretty unknown in Oliver Marmol. So as we said, they tend to promote from within and they promoted from within And Marmol was, I think he's, yeah, he's the youngest manager now of a major league team at 35 years old, which is very young. That is extremely young to be a manager, but he had been their first base coach and then the bench coach. And now they moved him to manager. You know, I being only 35 years old, we don't know a whole lot about him, right? We would expect him to be, you know, he'd be younger than some of their players. Like Matt Carpenter will, or excuse me, Adam Wainwright will be older than him. Yadier Molina he, will be older than him. He and uh, and uh, Goldschmidt can uh, do their own back in their yeah. own day. Yeah, uh, exactly. from 34, 35 uh, within it. But yeah, Wainwright and Molina uh, are going to be the elder statesmen for the entire uh, team so, uh, and coaches. You know, you expect him to be a, a manager, a coach's manager then because, like we said, like he's going to be one of the guys essentially. And so we'll see what we're doing here. Um, it's hard to know anything about his managing style, having, as far as I know, never managed at any level as far as being the main guy, uh, maybe at rookie league, it looks like he was his manager at rookie league once, but I would expect to see a lot of the same from the Cardinals. I don't this, think this a lot is going to change. Uh, it's a uh, veteran leadership already allows you to, to work within that. Again, makes a lot of sense uh, for how they operate there. Uh, as far as uh, Bob, uh, Bob Melvin goes, it's not just for the addition there, but it does draw more question marks to the team that he leaves. Uh, with uh, Oakland's uh, is a major question as far as 
uh, are we looking at rebuild? Uh, if so, who stays? Uh, uh, you have, for example, uh, Sean Manea as one year. He's in arbitration last year, about $10 million bucks. what that uh, contract is going to be. Uh, if you're not contending this year, that's a trade ship. Uh, you need to decide. Matt Olson, who is also another one of those uh, overlooked uh, monster offensive seasons, uh, he's coming up. He's a free agent in, a, in two years, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Is are you re-signing him? If not, two years is typically when you get max trade value. Uh, Ma- Matt Chapman up, across the corner. Like there's there's a ton of questions here for a team that doesn't seem to be. Having a high ceiling with the current core. Something has to change anyways, and now you're at a a major crossroads of what you do with this, and the fact that you let your manager go without any compensation whatsoever leads to believe that we're doing some sort of uh, restart within it. Could it be a respect thing that they just let him go because that's what he wanted to do after all the years he he, he served there? Potentially. Uh, This could be a very... Uh, non-issue thing, but it definitely drew some red flags around the around the league, wondering what is Oakland's plan going into this offseason. And that leads to one more. I'll get both your opinion on Oakland on that side, as well as the other potential fire sale that's being talked about because of another option uh, that was uh, 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 placed on waivers with uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, with Wade Miley. Uh, they placed him on waivers because of the, the one year that was left on it, rather than pay him $10 million bucks, which in look at the numbers we've talked about for pitchers that are at three wins above uh, uh, above replacement level. You're talking $15, 20000000 million uh, in, in contract. That's, uh, he's be, that's exactly what he's done. He's also a lefty. <laughs> they let him go for free to division rival Chicago Cubs. Yep. A great move for the <laughs> yeah. the Cubs managed to pick up a top three uh, rotation arm like from the one, one, number one to three spots in the rotation for no uh, acquisition cost other than writing a check and not even a big one at that when it comes to that type of numbers. So they've already made one big move uh, early in the season uh, than what someone would anticipate. Uh, yeah. What's going on in Cincinnati? They've uh, they've already cut uh, like. Uh, that's the other acquisition there. Their uh, gold glove catcher, Tyler Barnhart, uh, traded to the Detroit Tigers rather than pay him 7.5 mil. Again, understandable, but we're already at about $17 million off the salary. Their GM has said that their payroll must come back in line uh, with reality. Yep. So uh, are we done yet? Is there still more there? So those are the two small market teams that are doing course corrections we just don't know where that course correction is heading. Okay, so let's start with Oakland. Oakland is, I said, their 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 windows closed now. Like they, I do not see Oakland being competitive this time. Like we're getting to the point where Oakland has to start. You mentioned Olson and Chapman and Manaya and you know Ramon Laureano. Right? They mm-hmm. they have good players. I'm not sitting here and saying they don't, but it's are you going to be competitive soon? Because we said Seattle's coming. You're not as good as Houston. You shouldn't be as High good as floor, the Angels. Low ceiling. Yes, like like there there's value in a lot of those players, but are they going to win? Unless you're going to go out and spend, you know, could they go out and put a ton of money on Trevor Story? Maybe 
I don't think so. I don't think it's probably the best use of their resources at this point. You're better off keep uh, trying to resign Starling Marte if you're going to yeah. do that. Yeah, like that, and he's going to be gone too, right? Like likely mm-hmm. he's gone. So Mark Canha gone. I, if Mark Canha is gone, right? Like I think they're better off, like starting to consider, like you know, not maybe not as bad as the Tigers or Houston where they have to lose 100 games, but. You're not going to be as good as Seattle, I don't think. You're probably not as good as the Angels, and you're not going to be as good as Houston. Do you pull a Texas and fully retool it down? Maybe not. Like, But you're closer to that stage at this point in Oakland than you are to being competitive. And what matters to their long term? The other key question is what helps you achieve what you want to achieve from a stadium standpoint, your yeah. long-term home? And that's the question uh, with is, them. Is that the... Uh, do we tear it down if people are disinterested? Well, it's easier to move to Las Vegas. Uh, do we need to keep the talent that we have and at least try to be somewhat competitive and give a decent product on the field to try to stay in Oakland? Like, There's other things at play beyond the normal questions of when to do a rebuild or looking at other teams' competitive windows and then looking at ours and wondering, can we get there or do we need to take a step back to take a step forward? Again, Oakland has done that well Oh yeah. Uh, throughout the, the Billy Bean era. Now, this is a different era that's here, and that's the question mark. When are they ready uh, with new leadership? When are they ready to make their mark on this team? Uh, and is that mark retooling or is it rebuilding? Yeah. Uh, move to the next one. So, first off, Great move for the Cubs, right? Wade Miley, Fantastic. great move for the Cubs. You got one year. He probably slots in as your likely number two starter behind Kyle Hendricks. Like you Absolutely. did, you picked him up off of waivers. A guy who had a three thirty seven ERA, and you know he bounces around. But whenever he's bounced from like six teams, I think I saw Arizona, Cincinnati, Baltimore, yeah, seven, Houston, and Milwaukee. So, but he always pitches well. Four fifteen career ERA, like that's great. You take that all day. Good for you, Cubs. Nice network. Now I don't mean this as a. Uh, uh, as, as a negative, but you're building a potential junker baller staff. You have, yes. have Kyle Hendricks, you have Wade Miley. This is where you, uh, you say Kikuchi. This, yeah. you put those yeah. three together to frustrate batters. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting top three uh, for a team that's trying to figure out from spending not like a, a middle ground of, of spending. They have to figure out. They're yeah. in that same window where they have to figure out what they're going to do. We'll talk about them someday too, but they have to figure out like, they sort of tore it down in the offseason, but now it's – so where do we really go from here? Like, Because they can spend, right? Chicago can spend. Are they going to or are they going to wait? I don't know. But Cincinnati, I have no idea what Cincinnati is doing really. Like letting Wade Miley go, letting Tucker Barnhart go because you don't want to pay them. Okay, so are you going to – you trading Mike Moustakis? Because you're paying him a lot, and right now he's sitting on the bench, right? Because Jonathan India is playing. Jonathan India is going to win the Rookie of the Year award, I think, very shortly here, and he's going to keep playing. And you train Eugenio Suarez because you can't keep both of them, right? If, if you're gonna if you're gonna play this game, you can't keep Suarez and Mustakis. Suarez has almost no value now. He is Chris Davis, right? It's amazing. Just two years ago, yeah. right? That's all that it took. Here's a guy who led the NL in uh, home runs. Uh, the home runs are uh, there, right? He's still gonna hit your home runs, but 190 is not palatable, yeah. right? Like you can't play at 190 yep. if you're hit. I don't care how many home runs you're hitting. If you're hitting 190, you're not a player, right? So are you gonna keep Mustakis or are you gonna keep him? Uh, you just got the career year of all career years. Jesse Winker, like, it hit, right? This is another guy. It hit. 28, took a little while. He's there. Joey Votto, 36, 38, 38 years old. Like, legend status in your team, career year. Okay, you're not trading him. No one's taking that. Tyler Naquin, another career year. Like, you got a bunch of career years out of these guys. What are you going to do with them? Like, Nick Senzel, are you ever going to get anything out of him? I, I don't know what they're doing there. And then we've talked, like, 
I don't know if they know what they're doing. Luis there. Castillo. We've heard this for years. Like we're going to trade these guys. We're going to move Sonny Gray. We're going to we're going to move Luis Castillo. We're going to get Trevor Bauer. Like you know, it was Gray Castillo. Who was the third one they had? Um, I don't remember. Anyways, it doesn't matter. They have talent, right? We've picked them a couple times on this. They went for it. I, I give them credit as a small market team. They added versus subtracting. They tried. They did. Uh, and and again, you can say like. Was that the best idea? Uh, again, you can question things within. I at least appreciate them going for it. Most of the, the talk is about small market teams uh, either not being able to do it, not being able to afford, or trading their guys to someone else and always on that prospect level. I at least appreciate they went for it, but... what Now you have to make a decision here again. You can't say in the middle. Now you're in the middle, yep. right? You are stuck in the middle. So if you're going to say, okay, we're not, we don't want Wade Miley or Tucker Barnhart, then you don't want Eugenio Suarez or Mike Moustakis... Your value is never going to be higher on Jesse Winker. What are you doing with Luis Castillo? Because he's going to be gone before you're competitive. Like, if Sonny Gray, right? Like, we've talked about these guys before with this team because they are in the middle right now again. Like, are you going to go for it? Because then you get you got rid of two good players for you. And if you're not going to go for it, that's fine. But where's your window at? Like, do you have a window? This is the this is the Colorado Rockies thing. Like, do you have a window? Where is it? I don't think it's Colorado Rockies for this reason because they still have, like, uh, think of the young pitching that's now coming up. They have a couple of guys that are about ready to do that, so you can at least make an argument uh, that trading Wade Miley, if you would have gotten something for him, sure. I would have at least understood. Doing a salary dump doesn't make sense. And even, you could have waited on this one. You're literally only saving $1 bucks. Mm-hmm. When You could have done that at any point. That's the only thing that you're... It doesn't make sense. Again, it doesn't seem as if there's someone at the front of this who knows what they're doing or, and again, what the only thing I can say to his credit is, what is ownership demanding of you right now? Yeah. They say, I'm not paying, you need to let this guy go. If you're getting some of those type of pinches when there's nothing that you can do and it binds your hands, I get it. Uh, but there's you need to make a decision on the direction here for what you have. You have some young players coming up. You have the rookie of the year uh, as part of this. You have some other players that are there. You have a stud catcher uh, coming up. I get it. But then commit to that wave. You're trying to be, you're trying to do, I want to stay competitive here and then wait for the young talent to come. But then you're going to have it harder to augment those pieces to increase your window when your actual core guys that are going to lead you to that you could have augmented that, helped that, and yeah. be ready to compete with that. So it makes sense. Trade at least one of Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray. Trade one of them to get something good in return. Uh, figure out the salary crunch. You're going to have to figure out what to do with Moustakas or, or Suarez. Uh, and it's going to just be a salary dump. That one will be. Uh, that one, again, makes sense. If you get that payroll flexibility there, that should be the last move you need to make from a salary standpoint. Then it needs to be from a competitive standpoint. And they're, Colorado was harsh. That was probably tough on them. Um, they're not the Brewers, right? They're not going to be. They're not in that like category right now at this point. And I mean, I guess Musakis could play DH now that that's yeah. coming. There's a chance to, to undo could. some of the log jam within this, but it, it doesn't make you sense. You need a short. They've needed a shortstop for years, right? Yep. We've talked about like they were the one that was rumored to get Willie Adamas. They needed a shortstop. They tried to do what Eugenio Suarez at short. Remember, it was an utter yeah, disaster that didn't last long. because he was so bad there defensively. So. You need a shortstop. You've needed one for a while. 
Mike Nick Castellanos just opted out, right? So you need to figure out what you're going to do a huge in right field. That like that was already struggling with uh, need needing more consistent offense. Yes, like you need to figure out what's going to fill his outfield. You could sure you could say we're going to shift Tyler Naquin to right and we're going to play Nick Senzel in center, but we've seen Nick Senzel break down three years in a row here. Like you need to figure out what the plan is going to be to score more runs because. Like you have some pitching, it's good. Molly was pretty good. Luis Castillo's mm-hmm. good. You mentioned Sonny Gray. They have a guy named Hunter Green who's going to come up, and he throws like 104 miles yes. an hour. Like I'm excited to see Hunter Green. So yeah, there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel of this. That is, it's there's a reason for optimism if you're a Reds fan, but you got to be a little worried that where those is looking right now too. There's also pessimism in that. If they don't play their cards right, you're just going to stay stuck in that 80 to 85 win standpoint of a good but not good enough team. Uh, you can transition from Luis Castillo and, and Sonny Gray, and you can have these guys come up, but then you're still stuck in the same spot. You're not actually moving forward. It's the That's Oakland the thing. It's, yep. the, it's the Angels thing. It's a lot of those teams that are stuck in the middle where you're not ready to recommit. You're not willing, you're not willing to commit to the teardown, or you're not willing to commit to paying what you have. And there's a lot of very good teams that have nothing to show for it for, for the last, you know, ever. And so we've... I've seen since we we think on paper Cincinnati should be very good. They should have been good for the last couple of years, but it hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Certain things, their defense has been terrible. They've not focused on defense, and you know that we've seen teams win like that too. But now you're here in a spot, and you, this is going to be a big off season for them. If I'm their GM, what I'm targeting right now is close to majors talent. If I'm if I do decide to trade a Luis Castillo, I want close to majors talent. Give me someone who's already has some ex- like spent at least a, a month or two in AAA uh this past season. At least reach to that level. Uh cuz I know that by this I'll, I'll be able to present them to the fan base by a September call up at the latest. So you can already see that it is here then you add it to the young players that are there. Take a one season step back. For one or two key players, people that I don't believe are part of the next window, trade them, get near uh, MLB talent. Again, easier said than done, but there is some of that available, uh, especially if you're talking about an ace. Luis Castillo was also half a season away uh, from losing his trade value. You waited on on Suarez. Now you don't. Now you have an untradeable asset. Uh, you already have seen the lesson in-house on this. So trade Castillo now while people are again talking about him as an ace, as a Cy Young contender, and he may well end up being that still. You don't want to wait for a bad half season and decide to trade a midseason when nothing is there. And again, if there's a chance that you could lose a lot of games, it could mess with him too. If you're going to trade him, it's this offseason. Don't wait, or I guarantee you, you will lose value. Uh, you nailed it. Let's, well, let's on, talk about someone who's had a lot of value. I was say, let's end on a positive note yes. here with a retirement. So, Buster Posey, congratulations. You are the f- kind of a shocker retirement of the year, I guess. I was surprised to hear that he retired because he's coming off of a great season. Resurgence. Like, he had a resurgent year at the age of 34, Healthy. 18 home runs, 56 RBIs, 304. And so then the question now starts. Like, Buster Posey, he's got – an MVP award. He's got a rookie of the year award. He has four silver sluggers. He's won three world series, right? Seven time all-star, but you know, he's only played 1,371 games. The numbers, if it's not a catcher, you'd say, yeah, no, but is he a hall of famer? 
probably like you're talking 1500 hits, right? So we like to say 3000, but 1500 hits in 1371 games, 158 home runs, 729 RBIs, but a 302 career batting average for catcher is pretty good. So I'm going to say when you take in, you, you, tough. when you include the postseason accolades, the fact mm-hmm. that they have won the three world series, the fact that he's won a world, like he was part of those teams, a big part of those teams. I think it's probably enough that he gets in. At his position, yep. yes. Uh, and at least, again, if you have a shorter career, you need to have a, a higher plateau uh, MVP, uh, multiple World Series winner, and performing well during that stretch. Uh, an uh, offensive catcher at an era in which that went down, there were not many like that. He was the best catcher in uh, in there outside of Joe Maurer. Those were the two. I, and I was just about to say, so we're going to, that's the two that we're going to talk about. We're going yep. to lump them together because, okay. So Maurer plays in, oh, where did he go? He plays in about 500 more games. He has seven less home runs, but he's got the three, oh, six batting average with the 388 on base percentage with, you know, Maurer's also got an MVP award in there. Now he doesn't have the postseason success. I I think Joe Maurer's a Hall of Famer uh, because while he was, there was a four to five year stretch where he was like the second best batting average in the league maybe behind Ichiro, right? Like him yeah. and Ichiro were batting yep. it out for batting titles. I think that that's probably good enough that he should be a Hall of Famer. And I think that Buster Posey, when I said, when you include the postseason success, I think he's probably a Hall of Famer too. Now, statistically, neither one of them is you know super amazing. And it's because they play catcher. And we've said before, go back and listen to our goats. Like, catcher's hard on the body. It's tough. Joe Maurer transitions to first. Buster Posey's played some first. They both eventually slide out of there. But... Generally, they were both catchers, and they were both extremely versatile, like, offensive pieces for their teams, right? I think both of them are Hall of Famers. I do think both get in. Uh, Maurer has a little more longevity that helps uh, within it, uh, but uh, Posey has the the, the dominance and postseason uh, run with it. So I think they each have enough uh, to garner. They already have a lot of support uh, within uh, the writers themselves right now who've covered them. Uh, national exposure and recognition. So I do believe when the time comes, uh, question becomes how long does it take? Is it initially right away? Is it within a couple of years? And it's also going to depend who else is in the class and what else you're competing with. But yeah, I do believe both end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know neither one of them. We they're kind of at the end of the steroid stuff. But you know no one ever accused Joe Maurer of cheating. No one ever accused Buster Posey of cheating. Right? Like they came up. They were Joe Maurer was the first pick overall for a reason and. You know, he lived up to the hype and for the hometown team. And Buster Posey was very, also a first-round pick. I don't think he was first overall, but a very highly regarded pick. He was pick. number two, and the reason why I know that is because the Rays passed him over to get Tim Beckham. <laughs> it has been a his entire career, and every time that That's he goes good. to the World Series, Rays fans would oh, lament that, great. Uh, that, uh, uh, that draft time. So <laughs> I know that one quite well in the what-could-have-been category. <laughs> That's awesome. So on that note, as I began with egg on my face and leave with uh, fan uh, uh, fandom egg on face, uh, we'll wrap up this podcast. But again, next week we'll take a look uh, at uh, we'll do our off season primer. We'll fire up the hot stove, give you our uh, top uh, free agent predictions. Uh, Corey will put on his GM hat for the Milwaukee Brewers and say what needs to happen uh, to have a, 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 a World Series caliber. Back. 
Christian, uh, Bell, Christian Jellich needs to get a new back. Let's get working on that one, too. <laughs> Uh, and we'll also do just a little bit of a collective bargaining, bargaining agreement update uh, as it seems like we're headed towards uh, another winter vacation uh, that might include some of Major League Baseball offseason. We'll talk about that next week.